Good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Are you guys happy to be here? Hallelujah. You know, I can feel an anticipation in the room. And it's because there is a growing atmosphere around the people of God. You know, there's so many things we can do, so many things we can do or should do as believers, but the, the greatest among all of them is love. How many of you think we should be evangelizing, winning people over to the Lord? Yeah. How are they going to know? It says, if we love, when we love, then they will know. God is well able to draw them in, but he's looking to and forward the face of the earth. Are there a group of people committed to loving the ones, the precious ones that I want to bring in? If we would fulfill that criteria, he'll send them. He's just looking for hearts that are ready. So, Father, we, we thank you, God, today that we can worship you. We thank you, God, that your kingdom is coming to the earth. We thank you that every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, Lord, you have the means to heal the nations. You have the means to heal Alberta. You have the means to change the culture of Canada. But, Father, it begins with the manifestation of your presence. So, Lord, we gladly pursue you today because in you is life. You are the desire of all nations. And we need you today. So let's pursue him with all of our hearts today. Amen. All morning in the worship, I feel like God is trying to get us to believe. He's trying to get us to lean into what we've not thought of before, what we've not seen before. I mean, this is what he was doing with his disciples. This is what he was doing with Thomas. Poor Thomas. How would would you like this to be your handle? Doubting Thomas. One moment of stupidity. Right? One moment of articulating doubt, and that becomes your handle. You're, you're defining unvirtue, doubting Thomas. The, the themes of the songs this morning are about leaning in, about seeking, about wanting more of him. But I feel like Many times we tap out. We, it's like, yeah, you know, I've experienced a lot. And we never say to God, no, I'm good. I don't need it anymore. But the unconscious words coming out of our mouth when we stop seeking, when we stop believing that there's something else, is, no, I'm good. I'm good. I know you're eternal. I know you're, there are increments of your beauty beyond imagination but I'm good. We would never want to be found saying that. And yet, much of the church is saying that right now. I'm fitting in. I've got a reasonable life. Let's not rock the boat. Until crisis hits. Then, suddenly, there's desperation. Is crisis the only catalyst for desperation? He said, faith pleases me. If you will believe, 
that there's something just beyond your reach. Father, I pray that our lives would reflect hunger, desperation. God, we want to thirst and hunger for you. And Father, if we are not in that place now, if if the condition of being hungry and thirsty does not define us, God, we say, God, change my heart. God, show me what could be had. Open my eyes. Could we just sing this one more time through and Let's really say, and if you're not hungry, if you don't feel desperate for him, ask him to fill your heart with desperation. Even the words of that song right there speak so much. It's a guy like Moses who had arguably experienced more of God than anybody on the face of the earth at that time, had more personal encounters, was spoken to more intimately than anybody, and yet the cry of his heart is, show me your glory. How do you get that kind of flame? He is the Alpha and the Omega. So, God, we say as a church, put a fire in us, Lord, that we could be like Moses, that we could be like those men and women of old who followed hard after you all the days of our lives. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let's welcome Pastor Mark as he comes up to speak. Um, You know, I was thinking during the worship today that God is giving you upgrades. Um, I I wrote this article last week. If you haven't had a look at it, it's eye-opening revelations from my time in Singapore with with the global family. And one of the things that I was was just uh, talking about is the fact that that God's answer to the nations is, is not an event, it's not an institution, it's a people. Yeah. That uh, you, being formed into the image of Christ, are God's answer to the nations of the world, to the nation of Canada. And that's why it says in Ephesians, we are his workmanship that the essential ingredient, the essential commodity that God is preparing to present is a people. Now, fair enough, that people are going to be connected with other people in a peculiar kind of a way. They actually will love one another. And that cohesive expression will be an expression of something unique and powerful. But it begins with, what is God doing in your heart as an individual? And so sometimes, you know, we get caught up in, oh, you know, we just can't wait for revival. And I, I love revival. But, but God's answer of revival, you know, when we think of, oh, I want revival to come, we're thinking of an event. God's looking for a people who are revived. Okay? A revived people create revival. 
And, and we're thinking, well, you know, if this thing that would come from heaven would revive us, what if the ingredients for personal revival, spiritual revival, for a community of people like us, what if they were already provided? What if they were already right there in the word of God? Oh, that would make me accountable. <laughs> Gosh, I hate that when I'm accountable. Anyway, so, um, but God is doing something in this day. And uh, I was thinking in terms of, of the upgrades that he's giving us. Years ago when you bought a car, you know, it was, there was a big deal between, you know, this, this is standard and these are options. You remember, remember back when, you know, I mean, you had to pay... I mean, an excruciating amount of extra money for the options. And so it was always, what can you afford? And, you know, most, a lot of the cars were like standard manual, roll down the window, uh, you know, no power locks, nothing like that. Heated seats, forget about it. <laughs> you know, and, and, but increasingly, what used to be optional is moving over to the standard column. I want to say to you that God is raising up a people that are defined by features that used to be optional are now going to be standard. That there's a certain, there are abilities that God has designated to be a part of what it means to be a child of God, a son of God, that he has actually have, has made it available for you. And in the trajectory of church history, it starts where unique individuals, uh, uniquely anointed persons carry something, but what happens is that thing spills on to the rank and file, and that thing that used to be for a handful of people becomes the domain of everyone. That's how God is bringing the generations into something. So if you see something that's exclusive to a handful of people right now, right, if you see something that's, uh, that's okay, oh, that one global evangelist, that one, well, this significant leader in our city, in our nation, whatever it is that they have, begin to desire it. Begin to, actually, the Bible says covet. Right? Covet spiritual gifts. Covet things. The Bible says thou shalt not covet. Yeah, except in this case. Covet these things. Desire earnestly these things. So, um, but, you know, when we're insecure in this journey, what we tend to do is we tend to want to say, no, that's the domain of a special few group of people. That way, I don't have to be accountable. You know, I, I don't have to be, uh, I don't have to worry because, you know, me, I do this thing. This is this one thing over here. Yeah, he may prophesy and be anointed and lay hands on the sick and raise the dead, but I mow the lawn. And that's great. I love people who mow the lawn. Believe me. If you're here Friday morning, I was praising people who mow the lawn. Because uh, people who mow the lawn are the salt of the earth. But we don't want to hide behind one, one thing that we do well in order to avoid stepping into the thing that's meant to be universal. Yeah, everybody said amen. All right. Okay. That was just a warm-up. I want to I get into a couple of things here. I have to say, I find it so hard to figure out what to say when I come here because when I get into worship, it's, it's almost like I begin to walk in a garden and, and everything's dark, but all of a sudden the lights start coming on this great garden of truth. And all of a sudden you start to see 
so many parts of the garden. Oh, that's, that there, that's beautiful. That, that's an amazing truth. And oh, that one. And, and, and there's that one. And there's, and there's that one. And there's, oh, this is so great. In fact, Chris said to me before this service today, it's not a secret, so I'll just tell you. He said, you know, I think you should try to not share so many different things. <laughs> and I appreciate that because, but, but I, I tell you, you know, the things that are available to us are so amazing. But our ability to consume what is available is limited. And so there's wisdom in determining, you know, narrowing the focus of what it is we're saying on a, on a given day. Yet the riches of what's available to us are absolutely stunning. In fact, if we were to meet three times a day, every day of the week, for 50 years, we would not even begin to exhaust the availability of beautiful things that God would want to display for us. They're actually phenomenal, endless, endless. But having said that, I'm going to narrow my focus to something today, and uh, and it has to do about hearing God's voice. So I want to talk about hearing God's voice. Now, this is connected to our, our schools of the Spirit. And I, I did a little video just last week. And, uh, and, and it's about increasing your ability to hear. You want, you want to increase your ability to hear God. Because some of you, right now, even when I say that, yeah, well, you know, I don't hear God. My wife hears God. Or I don't hear God. My husband hears God. Or I don't hear God, but, you know, this one person in our prayer group hears God. Let me tell you, we're not going to hide behind I don't hear God because there, is, there are certain universal aspects of what it means to be a child of God, born again, being in the family of God. And one of them is hearing the voice of God. So let's start right here. I will not exclude myself from the privilege and the responsibility of hearing him. We need to be hearing him. Because the core of what it means to be a believer is hearing him. But not only are we increasing our ability to hear him, but to discern what it is he means when he says something. That's an altogether different thing, even a higher thing. But anyway, let's start in Psalm 29. So I just hear the ruffling of digital pages there. Psalm 29, if you could put it up on the overhead, that'd be great. Um, but I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read a bunch of these verses because I want to start by isolating the importance of this one thing. I want to isolate the importance that the voice of the Lord, hearing the voice of the Lord, is the cornerstone of being Christian. Everything that you can't do right now, you will be able to do if you hear his voice. Now, sometimes we think, oh, hearing his voice is, is like kind of hearing your mother's voice. You know, it's, after a while, it's like, why, why, why in the background? You know, do this, don't do that, do this, do that. Well, you know, a parent's voice, a teacher's voice, the voice of authority at work are voices that are instructional. And certainly, God's voice, when you take the data of what God says in his word, there is a lot of do's and don't do's, and this ought to be, and this should be. And, and you know... There's a hierarchy of good and bad and all the rest of that. But the different thing about the voice of God is not just instructional. It's not just a list of what, you, what Christianity should look like. It actually has the power to create behavior. It has the power to align your soul. 
And so when we're talking about hearing the voice of the Lord, we're not talking, oh, yeah, it's just what I need, another to-do list. It's not another to-do list. It is the means to become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. The means to be who you're meant to be comes through hearing his voice. The mysterious power of the gospel is that something is proclaimed. Something is declared. And it is the declared truth of that thing. When it is absorbed into your being, it's like a seed that the earth takes in and then produces a crop or a harvest or fruit. The word of the Lord is not just knowledge like, you know, that you're accountable to. It is the power to change. It is the power to be transformed. It has the necessary ingredients to create the thing that it's defining. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And so if you're always listening to the word of God as, an, as a means of instruction, you're missing the lion's share of what's there. You're actually only getting the very surface meaning. The very surface. Okay, you know, well, here, here's a seed. Have you ever, uh, you know, I, I can describe a carrot seed to a tea. If you're that kind of person, I can describe a carrot tea. But have you ever planted one? See, there's people that know the word of God inside and out, but don't produce fruit. Because it's not implanted inside of them. The voice of the Lord is, is knowledge that's apprehended. It's information that's absorbed. It's, it's details that are assimilated and, and talked about. But the lion's share of what it's meant to do is producing the nature of God inside of you. And this is why people get so frustrated with me when I talk about you know, that I'm not satisfied with the nature of God as I've experienced thus far. I'm not telling you to be better. I'm saying absorb the life-giving power of the voice of God that is able to bring forth a harvest of righteousness. I mean, Paul talked about, and he rebuked the Corinthians. He said, listen, you're acting like mere men, right? right? You know, and it kind of reminds me of that, 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 that uh, scene in that movie with, uh, oh, is the... Jack, uh, Jack is the kid, and uh, it's, it's the guy in the green hat. No. <laughs> but no not Pinocchio. It's the... Peter Pan, that's the one. Peter Pan. Way to go. You get five points. You know, Peter Pan, he, he, you know, he, in, the, in the one with uh, the comedian, I can't remember his name, Robin Williams, he died. And he's talking to his kid, and he said, he said quit acting like a child. And he says, I am a child. Like, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, Paul is saying, you're acting like mere men. And we would like to say, well, we are mere men. No, you're not. You're not mere men. That is not an excuse. We are made to be different. We are made to be a people like no other people on the face of the earth. That's what the word of God inside of you can do. We don't have to live in the excuses of I'm human. I'm only this, you know. I'm only human. No, you're not. The nature of God himself is planted in you through the voice of God, through the preaching of the word of God. That's why when we're talking about evangelism, we're not talking about telling people to be Christians. We're saying, listen, could you just ingest the life-giving resurrection power of God? It will change you. We're not trying to convince people to a position. Look at taste and see that he is good. Taste and see. Anyway, that's a whole sermon right there. And I haven't even read the first verse. 
So, it says, <coughs> Give unto the Lord. Oh, you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship in the beauty of holiness. All right. I've used that often when it comes to worship because I think that's the goal. When we're trying to worship here, we're not just singing songs. We're trying to give him the glory due his name. And if you don't know what he's due, it's very hard for you to give him the glory due his name. But I can guarantee you it's, it's more than you know right now and at any time in your life. It goes on. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, I think there's a chronology here that's very important. He's saying, listen, I think there's a kind of an if in there. If this, if this, if this, you're going to get the next stuff that's starting to come. Because he's talking about there's something hid in God that when you worship him as he truly deserves to be worshipped, you start to get the benefit, the bulk of what's hidden behind him. And so uh, this, is, this is the the trajectory of our whole lives, learning to worship him even more, give him more glory and more glory, and then we'll get who he is operating in our lives. So it starts to talk about the voice of the Lord. It says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. In other words, the voice of the Lord is enough to move mountain, uh, nations into obedience, into behaviors, right? The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Strips the forest bare, and in his temple, everyone says, glory. So the voice of the Lord is not a small thing. And when uh, the Hebrew writer, well, you think, well, that's Psalms. That's not even New Testament. But the Hebrew writer, when he's rebuking the Hebrews at the time, is saying, listen, by now, by now, you should be further. All right? So, hey, if, we, if I ever say that to you, by now, you should be further, it's just Bible. All right? I say it to myself. I say it to myself. There, there are many... T- I mean, uh, I may not be as diligent as the most diligent amongst us, but I'm always weighing, you know, where could I be if I wasn't so stubborn? You know? And I'm not shaming myself. I'm just wanting to make sure that tomorrow I don't dig my heels in on something that God's trying to de- 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 deal with like I did yesterday. It's not shame-based, it's progress-based. It's understanding the, re- the recalcitrance of my own nature. That's what it is. And so, man, so Hebrews is saying, he's, the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who that is, but I suspect it's uh, Apollos. But anyway, he's writing, and he's saying, he's saying, listen, by now you ought to be further along. And so he's rebuking them. And he said, by now you ought to be... Uh, uh, teachers, you ought to be dividing the word. And the scriptures, I mean, the words he's using in Hebrews 4 and 5 are, are quite powerful, quite wonderful. But basically, he's rebuking them in chapter 3 and chapter 4. And he says, he says do not harden your hearts as in the, the day of provocation when, when, when everyone other than Jake, um, Joshua and Caleb 
died in the wilderness. Everybody else died, and nobody of that generation entered in. Why? He said, because they hardened their hearts. He said, the, he said Don't, God is looking for people who will hear his voice when he speaks. Because hearing his voice is what prepares you for the promised land. And so, let's go on from there. How do I hear the voice of the Lord? Well, maybe not how do I hear, but let's go to John chapter 10, verse 27. And this is what John 10, 27 says. It's, it's, it's putting us all in a certain category so that none of us are, are without excuse here. Here's what it says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. All right, so... Your God, Jesus' sheep, all of them hear his voice, every single one of us. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, then you heard his voice. If you are actually changed, it's because God brought truth to you. He spoke. Well, I didn't hear audible words. I'm not talking about audible words. I'm talking about God is always speaking. It's like the voice of wisdom that, that lifts its voice in the streets. Right in Proverbs, it says, the voice of wisdom shouts cries out in the streets, but people are so numb to that voice of wisdom, they just walk by and they don't really discern and they don't hear. But his voice is out there. Right now, his voice is always speaking. God is always speaking. You know, we're not the only ones that hear him. You know, we may be the ones who hear him most accurately, but actually when God speaks, the reverberations on creation go throughout the earth. And and new agers and creative people will often hear reverberations of what God is saying. They may not represent it properly, but often the creative gifts of people, when they put it in movies or songs, are actually reflecting to some degree what God is saying. We should just be doing it much, much better. But the truth is, he is the desire of all nations. And what the world is waiting for, even if they don't know it, is a clear sound of the voice of God speaking to a generation. And that's meant to come from us. Not just, hey, yeah, we should get better preachers. And we should have better preachers. But you are the voice of the preacher. He said, whom shall I send? We should be saying, yeah, send me. So... When you become born again, when you become a Christian, when you become a child of God, the essence of your relationship is based on hearing and obeying. Hearing and obeying. But there has to be hearing and there has to be understanding for you to be obeying. But it begins with hearing. And the proof that you're hearing uh, and, and following through is that you're being changed. So, John ten twenty seven. But let me share another part, and this is kind of what I wanted to zero in on for a little while. Not everybody hears or discerns equally. In other words, sometimes it seems garbled. One of our, one of our children, who shall remain nameless, but he has four kids, <laughs> uh, he wasn't a good listener. And uh, so we, you know, we tried to discipline him and... and, and uh, you know, find various measures to get him to hear. Now, partially it was because he didn't want to listen, partially because he was exploding with energy. So he's one of those kids that, you know, um, in the winter in Vancouver, uh, we would we just send him out in the cul-de-sac. So he'd go run around the cul-de-sac. There's a concrete circle. He'd have to run around 10 times. So you may not come in 
until you run around 10 times. And that just siphoned enough of the energy off of them so that we could actually sit him down and he could pay attention for a little bit. So, you know, all of our challenges in hearing are not the same. And our makeups are not the same. Uh, when I was talking about this the other day, we were doing a little video out here. And, and, um, and so Miranda was worshiping in here, I think. And then there was people out there in the corner behind the camera, and they were talking while I'm doing this little video. But it was great. I didn't even tell them not to talk because I, I put on a, a YouTube video, and I started saying, listen, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to hear what's happening here, but I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time because there's worship and sounds coming from the sanctuary behind me. There's people here chatting it up and, and, and talking. And, um, and so, in other words... I may be hearing the voice of God, but my ability to separate the voice of God from other, other sounds or other voices might be difficult. And so part of this journey is, is refining your capacity to, to pull out of all the noises, out of all the voices and all the sounds, the one that is God, the one is, that is actually him versus, you know, good ideas. And that's a, that's a journey. That, I mean, I could say a lot about that. That's a continuous journey. Now turn to John 12, 27 to 30. <coughs> John 20, 12, 27. Turn to that. Turn to that. Turn to that. Jesus is uh, speaking here and he says, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people stood by it and heard said that it thundered. And others said that an angel had spoken to him. And then Jesus answered and said that this voice did not come because of me but for your sakes. Now, what you have there is actually a picture of three different levels of hearing. It's not that there's just three different levels, but Jesus is there, and since I want you to take note of this. Look at this where he says, now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled. That's an important word, an important precursor. Because there is actually a process for hearing God, and it does begin with an unsettled feeling inside of you or groaning inside of you. Uh, you know, when I, when I look back at all the key moments, and I've heard God on various levels, but when it comes to words like, should I go and be the pastor at Spruce Grove Community Church? You know, I'm not just going to, oh, okay, Lord, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to throw this fleece. I'm going to open the Bible, put my finger down and whatever, and and find out what are you saying. Uh I didn't do that. No, no, no. This is far too important. I'm not going to uproot my family. Similarly, when I was moving to to Vancouver, I I had an invitation to go and and teach at a college there. I thought, thought, you know, I I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. And so as I'm praying and as I'm going towards what is a colossal decision for my family with implications uh, on many sides, you know, I, I don't want to go on a good feeling. I don't want to go on a, a fleece. I want to hear the Lord. And so that desire to hear the Lord on a, a clearer level than normal hearing, 
Like, you know, what should I preach on today? Not quite as urgent as should I move my whole family and possibly destroy or bless my, my whole life? Ah, yeah, that's more, you know, I want to get this right. So that framing of that seeking sort of created a unique opportunity to hear God in a much clearer way. So part of hearing God depends on how badly do you want to hear. You know, how desperate are you? And so um, when, when, that, that, when God spoke to me on those occasions, man, it was, it was, it was preceded by being troubled because I, I'd weigh the pros and cons. I'd mentally do the gymnastics of, okay, what, if I did this, what would happen if I did this, you know, and so on and so forth. And it brought no resolve. It didn't bring any, it just made it possible. Well, if he did say yes, I can see that working. If he did say no, I can see that working. So what I was actually doing in this part of the process, I was getting out of the way the, my objections so that if he said go and I didn't want to go, I wouldn't say no, which is an important part to hearing, you know, because he's like, I'm not going to talk to you. If I know, you know, I'm going to tell you to do this if I know you're not going to do it, because that will just open you up to judgment, right? So there's this process. So even Jesus here said, my soul is troubled. So there's something going on inside of him, and it leads to this moment where God speaks. But even though God speaks and God spoke audibly, there's three types of people. There's Jesus who heard, hey, the voice of the Lord, Father said, you know, this number of things. But it says that some said it thundered. Is that in this part or is that in chapter 11? Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. I did read that part. So some said it thundered. In other words, on the scale of dullness between hearing and, you know, something happened, right? There's, there's, a, there's a, a level of something happened, I have no clue what. Might have been thunder. But the next level, there's a little bit of clarity. Wait, no, no, no. Something happened. and something spiritual. I think an angel may have spoken to him. And then, of course, the third level is Jesus saying, you know, quantitatively, qualitatively, hey, this is, this is my father's voice, and this is what he said. Wow. So we can be at different junctures in our life. We think, oh yeah, well, I'd like to be at this end. What if you could be at that end on purpose? What if the, the, the ability to diminish the other voices was up to you? I mean, this is actually the season we're in right now. God is actually fixing, if you're Texan, God's fixing I lived in Texas, so I always, when I hear preachers say God is fixing. Anyway, I like it. But God is fixing to say some things to people, and when he speaks, it's going to change them. The question is, how badly are you posturing yourself to be a recipient in that moment? And well, you know, I mean, I don't want to be a legalist. No, it's not about legalism. It's about which do you want to hear more loudly? You're allowed to go to movies, you're allowed to watch TV, you're allowed to listen to any kind of music you want. It's not, a, it's not a sin to do that. But there are certain sounds to appeal that appeal to parts of you that are not your spirit. And if you continuously feed yourself with those kinds of things, that part of you is going to get bloated. 
right? Your intellect, your emotions, your flesh, sin. I mean, if there are, there are just certain sounds that, that minister to things that are part of your fallen nature or your natural man. Let's even go that far because, well, you know, uh, are you saying, yes, I am? The, when, when the Bible talks about spiritual, it doesn't talk about spiritual versus sinful. It says spiritual versus natural. Anything natural is touched with the sin of the world and it's affected by it. So when God says, listen, if you pull away from the world a bit and the world and its lusts, you position yourself to hear more clearly. Now, how, how clear can this get? I hear that question. Let's, let's turn to, uh, to another passage in John 11. I think that's the right one. I'm hoping it's the right one. John 11. Actually, I have it up already here. In John 11, Jesus raises... Actually, no, it's still John 12. What am I, what am I thinking? Oh, no, here it is. Verse 11. And turn to verse 32. We'll start reading there. But the scenario is leading up to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, the significance of this is this, that, that everything that Jesus did, he's actually he's interfacing with the kingdom of heaven. When he did miracles, when he raised the dead, when he opened blind eyes, it's because he was interfacing with not the natural world, but the spiritual world. The answers to the kingdom of God always begins in the spiritual world. And so if we're going to do the things that Jesus did, we have to learn to access the spiritual world, the invisible world. That is the key to bringing us into transformation, to affecting the natural world around. So Jesus was adept at doing that, and he's displaying how he did this. So we have this scenario where, he, uh, you, know, you know what happened before. He has this encounter. He talks to Martha and Mary. Uh, well, Mary didn't come, and Martha was there. And, of course, his disciples, they were off in Judea, and they said, hey, let's go back. Uh, or maybe they were in Samaria, and they went to Judea. I can't remember. But essentially, his disciples weren't sure why he was going back. They finally come back, and he confronts, uh, um, talks about Mar- to Mar- Mar- Martha and says, listen, whoever believes in me shall not, never die. Do you believe this? And then in verse 33, oh, verse 32, it says, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, and here it is, look at this. He groaned in his spirit. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. All right. Now, in the other time when he heard the voice of God speaking from heaven, right? everybody heard it. Everybody heard the sound. They didn't know what it was. Not everybody knew what it was. Everybody heard the sound. But he said I, I'm, he was troubled inside of him. Your spirit, okay, it is a birthing place. It is a place where movement, it is the place, the door between natural and spiritual. And spiritual things come through your spirit. And there's, there is a, an experience of feeling troubled. I believe many of you experience that, but now don't know what to do with it. 
I believe you, many of you experience that and think it's, you know, emotional, hormonal, hunger, boredom. And so, can I say, honestly, what I used to do, I would, I would, I would seek entertainment. When I'd feel troubled, I would seek entertainment. And that's my default because, because I, I want to feel better. And whatever's happening, I didn't know it was spiritual. I thought it was just, you know, I'm bored. But actually, my spirit is, is, is alert to the fact that God is trying to bring something into my life and into the realm of the earth, and my spirit is troubled. Now, when Jesus' spirit and soul was troubled, he, he, he said, yeah, oh, something's coming. The kingdom of heaven is about to appear. I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to take time. And uh, I remember years ago, um, David Demian was being mentored by uh, one, our spiritual father, Pastor Bob Jer- Birch, who, who uh, um, Cindy Jacobs called the Canadian Apostle of Prayer. And uh, he was traveling with, David was traveling with, with uh, Pastor Bob. At this point, he, he wasn't speaking at all. He was actually a, b- a brilliant minister, a talented uh, surgeon, super successful. Well, he was just traveling and carrying Pastor Bob's bags. Anyway, they did this meeting one night, and David couldn't wait till the meeting was over because he was starving. And he, and he, said, uh, he said, all right, uh, where do you want to go to eat? And Pastor Bob says, you know, my spirit is troubled. Would you mind if we just went back to the room and prayed a little bit first? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so they get back to the room, and Pastor Bob kneels down and begins going into to prayer. And he just is waiting before the Lord. And I don't know what he was doing particularly, but, but David's there. And, of course, he's like, you know, <laughs> looking out of the corner of his eye and saying, are we done yet? Are we done? I'm really hungry, really hungry. But then, then he got to the point where his, his fatigue overtook his hunger. And he said, Pastor Bob, is it okay if I just pray under the covers? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he, uh, he began to pray underneath the covers. He said, he said, I fell asleep right away, and I woke up about 3 in the morning. And I woke up, and the light was still on, and Pastor Bob was sitting there in the chair. And he was, had his legs crossed and his arms crossed, and he had a big smile on his face. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. Wow. The Lord spoke to me. That is the experience and the pattern of somebody who doesn't just get a troubled feeling inside their spirit, but knows this is the beginning of a birthing of something. The voice of the Lord is stirring. The voice of the Lord wants to say something. And I so value the voice of the Lord because it changes me. But furthermore, if there's going to be any change in our nation... In our ministry, it's going to be because we are representing the voice of the Lord. God is speaking. Now, I was deeply challenged by that testimony because I, you know, when I first time I heard it, I thought, well, how many times have I substituted that experience for a video game or a meal or TV or something else? Lots. And I don't feel shame. I don't feel, I'm not down on myself, but I do want to be grown up. I do want to value the word of the Lord so much that even the slightest inkling that God is itching to speak, that God is 
you know, giving me that advance notice. I'd like to say something into your life right now. Do you want it? Wow. So the choices we make in our life will either augment or diminish our ability to interact with spiritual things. Now, we could talk a lot about that because it happens on so many different levels, but I was reading this, and let me finish this because it goes on. It's very interesting. It tells us quite a bit about what it means to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. So, Jesus was in another place. He heard about Lazarus, but they were trying to kill him in that part, and I think it was Judea. And so when he said to his disciples, we need to go and see Lazarus, they said, Lord, Lord they were, didn't they just try to kill you there? You know, weren't we escaping there? He said, no, no, no. He said, are there, are there not 12 hours in the day? In other words, the, the Lord has gone before us, so it's safe for us to go in. Now, that's a level of discernment in and of itself, right? But now it's safe to go in. If you're going to be a missionary into Kazakhstan or China or, you know, Congo, you might want to have that kind of discernment. So they, they come to this place, and now he's right before the need. And the need is, Lazarus is dead. So he says, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I love that. And then the Jews said to him, see how much he loved him. Right? They're, they're clueless. Right? Like, we're putting this in the realm of, of relational affection. Okay, uh, nothing wrong with relational affection. Nothing wrong with crying for somebody because they died or, or, or hardship has happened to them. But this is actually something that's transpiring on a whole other level. Something is being ushered into the realm of the earth through a man who's cognizant of what God is doing in the spirit. And so he's weeping because... The groaning, the, the troubling that's inside of them. There's something of, the, of the, the desire of God that's beginning to pour through his being. Something of, this is not, I'm not trying to be emotional. Something of the desire of God is gripping me. Let me, let me pause there for a second. I can talk about the trajectory of my own life. And there are times, and I, I've grown as a prayer man, man of prayer, an intercessor. But there were times when I, I couldn't weep before the Lord. I couldn't cry before the Lord. And what's happening, in fact, the last two major events, uh, both the cry and, and or, um, New Brunswick, I mean, the Lord did this to me right on stage, you know, right on TV cameras. And uh, I'm telling you, why, why didn't he do that 10 years ago? Because I was too composed. Because I was not in touch enough with what mattered in the moment. And I was more aware of my own voice saying, you got to look proper. you got to look dignified. You know, what, there's something about our culture we hate. What is that called when somebody cries really violently? It's an ugly cry. Yeah, an ugly. I ugly cry. I ugly sneeze. I ugly vomit. I mean, everything I do is big. Uh, you know, just this morning I'm sneezing and Lenny's like. <laughs> so, but, but my hold on my composure 
would not allow the things of the Spirit to really come forward. Think about it. What could God bring through this body if we all got to the place where Jesus is? Never mind where Jesus is, just a little bit beyond where we are now. Right? Where, where these invisible things, troubled in your spirit, groaning in your spirit, where they cease to become ambiguous language, and they start to be, now I know what this is. God is one of my, my soul is troubled. My spirit is troubled. I need to go into birthing. More of heaven on earth, possibly? Again, how much of this is in our hands and how much of this is us waiting for something that God wants to do, right? So Jesus wept and some said, could not this man have, who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Oh, hey, good attempt at faith there. He's like, yeah, he could have, but watch this. Now, keep in mind, we are coming to a dramatic moment of resurrection. But what's happening before is intimately connected with the outcome. And if we're going to do the outcome stuff, we have to know the steps that lead to it before. And it starts with hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing what you're hearing, discerning, understanding what it's about and why it came, and nurturing it from the first inkling until it manifests. And well, you know what? If we're uncomfortable with spiritual things, if we're living in the world of the natural, we'll never give ourselves to those things. And I pr- I'm saying that right now because right, right from the depths of your heart, just begin to say, oh God, make me more aware of your presence. Didn't we sing that today? Just realize it. Make me more aware. What if all the things that I've longed for my life, what if all the things I have longed to see in church, what if all the things that God whispered to me that were going to happen and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting for them to begin to happen. He said, if you would just learn to interact with my kingdom, they're all there. They could already be happening. I think what the Hebrew writers said to those first generation Christians could easily apply to us by now. You could be. Verse 38, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And, she, and, and Jesus reminds her, uh, remember what I said about believing? And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God. Here's what the Spirit of God is saying, folks. If you would believe, if I would believe, if we as a church would believe, there is no limit, no end to what could transpire right here in this place. That's the kind of people that are rising in the earth. So in the same way he reminds her, We need to be reminded. Ah, Then they took away the stone from the place where the man, the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, now get this. This is so powerful. Father, I thank you that you have already heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Now that's the language of somebody who 
for whom mystical connection of being led by the Spirit is not so mystical. You've already heard me. Well, what do you mean? You didn't say anything. Oh, yeah, I've been groaning the whole time. Because to you, a groaning is a meaningless urgency or something, but to God, it is a language. You know, when you groan, it talks about groaning as believers in intercession. It says in Romans 8, it says the creation is growing, and he says, we also groan within ourselves. So I, I love saying this, you all groan. You groan, and you groan, and you groan, and you groan, and you groan, you groan, you groan, you groan. You all groan. You may not know that you groan. There are things that are happening below the level of what you perceive. And only when there reach a certain momentum that, you know, for reasons you don't know, do they come forward, like usually because there's another outside urgency that causes me to cultivate a moment that I could have cultivated without the urgency, but I'm not that interested. I say that about myself, and that's what I want to change. I want to be more interested in his presence. I want to be more aware that maybe what is mystical and vague and obscure, maybe it's way more tangible. And maybe, just maybe, what God has invited me and you into is some of that. And maybe the keys to your family and our children and breakthroughs and healing cancers and resurrecting the dead and having strategies for our businesses and touching our community, maybe all these things are laying in a row. Maybe there's a room in heaven filled with those things. Maybe they're a castaway room where, where the angels are walking by looking, look at all the stuff Spruce Grove community could have had if the church had laid hold of God and understood the moment that they were in. What if, what if, what if a people could arise who spent the time to cultivate an attitude God, we are going to pursue your presence. I'm going to stop listening to the voice of unbelief. I'm going to diminish the other sounds around me because I want to hear your voice. Now, I believe, we're, I believe we're coming to a convergence. I believe as a church, as a people here in Alberta, that God is raising up a people in this land. And despite whatever our weakness, our, our faults, our, our failures, our weaknesses, you know what? God tabulated those into the equation. And he knew how stubborn we'd be and how unlikely we were to step in. And he, but he has determined there's coming a convergence for Alberta, for Spruce Grove Community Church, and all the promises that he spoke over us, they are coming to pass. Now, what do we do today? It's simple. We're not, gonna, we're not in shame. We're not living in regrets. We're looking forward, and we're just saying, okay, God, augment this voice. Let the urgency, let what Jesus recognized as the Spirit of God, that troubled feeling, I want to go into prayer with that. Could I begin to experiment with hearing the voice of God and seeing things happen? If I just determined to do that. So this, let's close our eyes. Father, 
Worship team, why don't you come? Father, we're, we're here to say we want to be the manifestation of the sons of God on earth. We want to be the manifestation of an invisible kingdom. Yes. We want to be God, a manifestation. And a part of manifesting those things, those promises, those words, those healings, those ministries, those, uh, those expressions of a body of people that can change dramatically change, significantly change this part of the world. Oh God, oh God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, I ask God that you would grip us in this season, that great grace would fall on us. Oh Lord, let's just stand up together. We're gonna, you know, there's not a magical response <coughs> because we're on a journey And this might just be one more step in the journey that you're taking with God. But there is a step to be taken to say, God, I want to understand. I want to discern the voice of the Lord. I don't want to be hearing thunder. I don't want to be hearing the voice of angels. I want to be hearing, God, your voice. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord causes Sidon to skip like an ox. The voice of the Lord brings forth the birthing of deer. Lord, what kind of spiritual birthing could you bring forth in our life if we would connect in to the voice of the Lord? If you feel you want to respond and come forward present yourself before the Lord. I invite you to do that. If you want to stand right there and lift your hands and say, God, more, more of you, less of me, more of your sound, less of my own. So we're, uh, we're going to shift. But let me say this. Have you ever had the experience in your life where you knew how to do something like play guitar or skateboard or play hockey or something? And all of a sudden, somebody you didn't know did something like that, and they're very good. All of a sudden, like, wow, where'd you come from? They were practicing in their room. They were going out on weekends. They were going out. They were taking time to invest themselves in something, and they got good at it. Do you know that you can get good at hearing the Lord? Do you know you can get good at spiritual things? You just got to be willing to take the time and to pour yourself into it in secret. Seek him. You will find him. Seek him. You will find him. His eye is looking for us and not we for him. If we respond, he'll train us and teach us. We'll come into things unimaginable. This is the promise that we have. This is where we're going. It's an amazing journey. It's a beautiful promise.